Rodgers has it. Gives to Franklin. He no, dies. No, I don't think no, he got it. I no, don't think he got out, it. The ball is out. The Bengals have scooped it up. Bouncing in the pocket, his throw caught at the 10-yard line. He's nice, nice. straight into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals. It's a TD. Hello and welcome to episode 125 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast hello and welcome my name is paul hirons uh spring has sprung we've had beautiful weather here in the uk lockdown has lifted ever so slightly so everyone's in a much better mood and of course we edge into the month of april and uh it's still a complete and utter frenzy out there isn't it it's uh only a month or so well no just under a month to to the draft and um Bengals fans are beside themselves, so much so, it's it's almost Bengals civil war at the moment. It's brother against brother. Families are being torn apart. Relationships are ending. It all depends whether you are on Team Saul or Team Chase. And um, uh, here to discuss the craziness at the moment is, of course, Nathan Palmer. Nathan, Hello. How are you, my son? I bet you're enjoying these first days of spring, aren't you? I could just see you in your garden up there in the sort of Midlands with your shirt off, <laughs> suntan lotion on, lathered up with a nice bit of a nice glass of rum in your hand. How, how you been, my son? You all right? Yeah, it's nice to have the lighter evenings, isn't it? And uh, it's nice to have a bit warmer weather, although apparently it's going to change over the Easter holidays. But there we go. That is uh, British weather for you. Have you been keeping up? With the whole Team Saul and Team uh, Chase thing that's happening at the moment. I think people like were so into free agency about a week or two ago, weren't they? You didn't hear too much about the draft. And now that sort of drama has cooled down a bit. Everyone is just, especially with Jamar Chase's um, pro day happening today on the Wednesday that we were recording this. It's just got into a bit of a frenzy, isn't it? People just absolutely... Do you think it's through boredom? They got so into free agency, well, that kind think... of like slackened off considerably. And there's nothing much yeah. else to talk about. And so it's people are just creating hashtags all over the place. And it's not just kind of a rational discussion. There's some proper ding-dongs going on on Twitter and social media. And uh, I think it's a bit daft, but it's kind of fun at the same time. Everyone's like super invested in this draft and uh, as I say there seems to be the consensus says that there seems to be a straight choice between offensive tackle uh, Panay Saul um, or uh, LSU wide receiver Jamar Chase and um, I don't know I flip-flop from day to day on this but I, I started out and this is the thing people started off absolutely insisting they wanted uh, offensive line help to help Joe Burrow stay upright during this season. But they've been very seduced by some sexy wide receiver, haven't they? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's we'll get into the sort of where we lie on the issue. But I do think that Jamar Chase certainly has the advantage at the moment on the fact that the wide receiver position is a much sexier position. Obviously, he's had his pro day first. So, I think Panay Saul's got his pro day Friday, so it'll be very interesting to see how 
um, people's mood changes when he works out and shows himself off. So, um, but I think we can both agree two absolutely fantastic prospects and either one of them would significantly improve the team. Jamar Chase's Pro Day, uh, a 41-inch vertical jump, uh, an 11-inch broad. Both of those were in the 96th percentile. Uh, a 4.38 40-yard dash puts him in the 89th percentile. These are seriously athletic profiles uh, going on here. So there's no doubt that Jamar Chase, certainly in testing, uh, uh, when it comes to measurables, he's got them all and he's showing them off today and people are going nuts. Um, and But of course, you know, it'd be interesting to see whether uh, the uh, Team Saul guys and gals come out in force after Penai Saul's... Um, uh, pro Day on Fridays, as Nathan said, we're recording this on the Wednesday. Um, I find it fascinating, really. Like you say, uh, at the end of the day, Brian, um, I think we, whoever we pick out of those two, we're going to get a pretty sensational player, aren't we? Absolutely. I think, like I said, either one of them would significantly improve the team. Um I think if you look at free agency, just to sort of give yourself a guide to where they might go, they obviously did invest in the line, uh, bringing in Riley Ref from Minnesota. So you've got a tackle there to replace Bobby Hart and upgrade that position. You've got Jonah Williams coming back. In free agency from a wide receiver perspective, I know they brought back Mike Thomas, but they lost AJ Green. They've lost Alex Erickson. Um you know, you look at the, the the actual players they've got on the roster at the moment. T. Higgins is a very good player. Tyler Boyd's fantastic in the slot. I would argue almost, in a funny way, that that position is actually a bit more bare and a bit more in need than the offensive tackle position at the moment. But I think we can both argue they could use an upgrade, and we certainly long-term to have someone there on the offensive line, Riley Ref only on a one-year deal. But I think the need is there for both positions. I don't almost know if I, I think a lot of people, some people saying, look, you know, I don't think wide receiver is that big of a need for us. We've got Higgins, we've got Boyd, but there's really nothing behind that. And then on the offensive line where you've got ref, you've got Jonah Williams. But again, there's not really much behind that either. So if you're looking for long term, you're looking for quality depth or I think certainly in Chase's um, capacity, he'd come in immediately and make a really, really big impact. So. I don't know, son. I've got a preference, but I can't. I can't say that I'm, you know, absolutely nailed on for it. I'm still. I still could be turned. My head could be turned either way. I think at the moment, as we all know, it normally is, Nathan, isn't it? Um, I well, let me tell you what's coming up. We're um, we're going to be speaking to Anthony Munoz, the Hall of Fame. Oh, you know, just the Hall of Fame. Uh, tackle from the uh, 80s, the amazing Anthony Munoz, who's been on this podcast before, but not for a while, actually, so it was great to catch up with Anthony. We've also got the debut of uh, fakefootballtalk.com journalist Barry Bullshit. He's coming up a bit later, and if you don't know who Barry Bullshit is, he broke the story on our blog last April 1st that Andy Dalton was uh, joining the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Barry is going to be making his debut on the podcast. We're going to be playing a special version of the name game a bit later on as well. Uh, Long-term listeners will know that Nathan uh, still owes me a crate of Manabria from uh, the last time we played this. Uh, I'm going to give him a chance to win it back 
uh, with a draft special name game. Did you know uh, Nathan doesn't know this <laughs> but there's yet? But... Some, there's some special names in this year's draft. As there well, really so I'm, I'm going to really be on the hook for this. <laughs> yeah, I think you are. Um, but let's quickly uh, go over what's happened in free agency. It has dampened down. Um, Bengals made their big splashes early-ish doors, uh, but they did re-sign some more guys. They signed linebacker Jordan Evans. Uh, re-signed him. They've re-signed defensive tackle uh, Mike Daniels, and they've today re-signed defensive end Armani Bledsoe. So, quick reaction to that, Nathan? Yeah, it's solid depth, isn't it? Bringing back some... I, don't, I think there was quite a lot of change. There's been a lot of players, obviously, that have gone elsewhere. I think more so than ever this off-season, seeing some of our sort of long-term guys. Obviously, Sean Williams this week went over to the Cardinals. So there's a lot of guys that have moved on, people that have been with the team for quite a long time. So to get some of those guys back, um, it's a good thing. Add some depth, add some familiarity. So, yeah, I, I, you can't argue with those sort of fairly in, in, inexpensive deals um, for a year or so. No, I agree. And I think the signing of Mike Daniels pretty much puts the kibosh on uh, Gino Atkins coming back, don't you think? Do you think? You reckon there's no chance? Well, he's, a, he's a three technique and you've got Ronell Wren, another three technique. You've got your two guys at uh, the run stuffer nose uh, position and DJ Reader and Josh Tupu. Um, you know, you've got Armani Bledsoe, Sam Hubbard, uh, and you, of course, also Larry Ogunjobi at three technique as well, which you'd think they're going to play him at three technique. Um, so, yeah, I think, I, and also if you add in some draft picks, I think that could be it for Gino, really. But again, we'll watch his space because, um, you know, roster cuts happen on June the 1st and that, that's when you're going to be able to get loads more bargains. So who knows who's going to be cut on June the 1st? You know, this this free agency process is is... Absolutely a marathon, not a sprint, you know, and um, I think we could be picking up and wheeling and dealing, you know, well into June, you know, so um, it's going to be interesting to see. But certainly at this moment, I would say Gino, Gino's days in Cincinnati are numbered, I think. Yeah, I mean, it certainly look. I mean, the interesting thing is, and we've talked about this last week, and it still remains true today, there's still no sort of social media tribute from the Bengals, nothing from Gino himself. It's all been a bit hush-hush. Um, Mike Daniels obviously being signed, I think it was yesterday, wasn't it, on the Tuesday. So potentially the dust might settle. Maybe they're waiting for Gino to hook on with another team. Maybe there's something there with... Um, I know I think when he was originally cut, it was something to do with sort of a health um, or a failed physical or something like that. So I don't know if there's a few sort of formalities behind the scenes that need to be sorted out before it sort of, um, you know, before it all clears. Uh, but, yeah, it certainly looks like Gino probably is on his way out. And if you'd asked me last week, I would have said there's a fairly good chance that we would have wanted to bring him back on a fairly affordable deal. But I still think there is a chance. But I think probably, as you said, with Mike Daniels coming back, probably a lesser chance. So we shall see. Indeed. We're not here to talk about that, though, this week. Um we're here to talk about Team Saul versus Team Chase. And um, which side of that divide are you pitching your tent in, Nathan? Ever so slightly, just over the border, I'm Team Saul. OK. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, Kyle Pitts was, you could have thrown Team Pitts 
into the equation last week, but it's been narrowed down into an absolute battle royale between these two, uh, Penai Sewell and, and uh, Jamar Chase. And I have to say, I started out very strongly as a Team Sewell sort of guy. Uh, and I do actually see very compelling arguments for both routes in this uh, draft. And the one thing that a lot of people seem to be saying on either sides are, OK, so um, if you don't draft Penay Sewell, there won't be another type of that player, even in the late first round or early second round. If you don't draft Penay Sewell, you're missing out on a generational talent, right? And then the Jamar Chase uh, crew will all, will counter that by saying, well, if you don't pick Jamar Chase, you're not going to get a player like Jamar Chase in the second or third round. Now, I think the depth at wide receiver is pretty good in this draft. And you're right, you're not going to get a player uh, like Chase if you pass up on him in the uh, first round. Of course, you, you know, he's he's going to be around Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle as well in that, uh, in that cluster of top five to ten wide receivers uh, in there this year. Um, but I just it just comes down to need with me. I mean, I'm not... I think Chase is fantastic. And what I've seen him in on, on, on film, he's strong, he's athletic, he makes plays. He's great with the ball in his hand. He's, he's, he's fantastic, and he will be fantastic for someone. And... Uh, but I'm just not being seduced. I just think we desperately need to get uh, this offensive line sorted. And now is the opportunity. We've signed Riley Reef. We've got Jonah Williams. Um, if we get Panay Saul and then another guard later on in the draft, you know, suddenly our line is transformed and then suddenly Joe Burrow will have the time, or at least more time, you would hope, to start finding his receivers. And and don't forget this. We've got two top 50 receivers in the league. We've got T Higgins, and you hope he continues his fantastic rookie form into his second season, and Tyler Boyd, who we all know is terrific, you know. Add in a bit of Joe Mixon. Add in another receiver, which, I mean, absolutely we should draft a, a new wide receiver, or two, you know. Um, but I just think, to me... I'm not being seduced by the shiny thing. I like, you know, I love Jim. I'm not like him. I love Jamar Chase. I think he's brilliant. But I think where this team is now, I am going for Saul. I think this, the thing with Saul is that for a basic, you know, for a fan, which is what we all are, and people that are sort of interested in the draft, what they're, you know, they'll watch some videos, they'll keep up to date with it, they'll read the analysis. It's just so much easier to get excited about someone like Jamar Chase oh, yeah. than it is for Isol because you've got the highlight videos on YouTube, you've got the speed, you've got the high 40-yard dash time, you've got all the fantastic catches, the, all of that. Obviously, you've got the Joe Burrow connection and the chemistry with that um, Joe Boy had with him back at LSU. So naturally, I think people are drawn towards that. It's so much sexier to have this top five potentially pro bowl pro type receiver coming onto the team, a bit like AJ Green did back in the day and having all those explosive plays, then it is an offensive lineman. You know, you watch Blythe Saul's tape. He's great at blocking. He's very, very athletic, very quick. 
Um, but it's harder to sort of look at that as a fan and say, oh, I love that. And even though it makes most sense, and even though that was quite clearly last year a much bigger need um, than wide receiver, and it was one of the reasons that Joe Burrow got hurt, it was one of the reasons the offense really stalled at a lot of points, you know, all of a sudden you start to be like, well, actually, you know, because the Bengals have let a lot of wide receivers go, they've not added anyone in free agency, all of a sudden the wide receiver does become a bit of a glaring need. But I just, I don't know, it, it's such a tough one, man. I mean, I think Saul is the smart man's pick. I think he would come in, start immediately. But the only thing I think is, I the Bengals have got two starting tackles. They've got Riley Ref and they've got, Jonah Williams. Well, so, let me start you there because Anthony talks about that in the interview. I know you haven't heard the Anthony Munoz interview yet. We'll, yeah. we'll play it to you in a minute. So let's pick that up after the Anthony um, interview. The other, another thing to consider as well is if you look at the positions they both play, offensive tackles tend to play a bit longer in the NFL. If you've got an offensive tackle, they can play well into their 30s. You look at Andrew Whitworth as a sort of golden example of that. Um, wide receivers, once they get past 30, the production does tend to tail off quite significantly. So if you're looking for, I mean, Price saw if he come in and played the way that people talk him up and what he showed on tape a year ago, he could be, uh, you know, our guest Anthony Munoz and anchor that line for a long, long time. Um, not the Chase Gunners. Or the, and I think that's the benefit for both of them here is they're both so young. I think mm. Panay Saul is 20 years old, I believe, and yeah. Jamar Chase has just turned 21. I think he turned 21 at the beginning of March. So they're very young prospects coming out. They've got a huge ceiling. Neither one of them played last year, so they might have a small bit of rust, but they certainly have got barely anywhere. Mm. You know, they, they could really come in, either one of them, and play for a long, long time in the league. They're not coming in at like 23, 24, or anything like that. You know, they really have got such a high ceiling as to where the potential could go. They've both played in uh, top colleges. They've you know played against fantastic opposition. I mean, the year Jamar Chase played, he wasn't playing, in, you know, against your North Dakota States. He was playing against the best of the best and doing the business. So, yeah, they're both fantastic prospects. I think, like you said, Kyle Pitts is another fantastic player. I mean, he, I think, ran today, I think, a 4.44 or 4.45 40-yard dash. I think he had the longest wingspan of any receiver, like including wide receiver or tight end in yeah, the last all, twenty years. All tight ends, yeah, 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 which is just outrageous. And I think there's no doubt that he, I mean he's probably the most exciting tight end prospect in the last twenty years. I can't think of anyone mm, mm. in the top five that's had more chatter about than him. And he'll be there, I think, at five. I think almost certainly the Bengals could have him if they wanted him. And with CJ Zama coming off an injury, Drew Sample's been okay. Still, you'd like to see more than him. That's another position that you could certainly add. Now, I don't think the Bengals will see that as the most pressing need at five, but that's when, and this is, I guess, the other option that you've got, pretty much, not, not guaranteed, but there's a very good chance that three or four quarterbacks will go in the picks before the Bengals, if not all quarterbacks, and the Bengals could easily be sat there with the best non-quarterback at, ready to be drafted. Mm. Now, there's going to be people ringing the Bengals. If the Bengals want to like say, look, we're happy to move back four, five, six positions here, they would get an absolute haul, probably at least another first-round pick for next year, maybe a, maybe a third to go with it this year. 
and some potentially just to well, slide back. Well, you look at what might happen with Miami in the 49ers last week. You exactly, know. exactly. And I do think that's got to be on the table for the Bengals because even if you don't get – I mean, Jamar Chase is a fantastic player, but you've got Jalen Waddell, Devonta Smith sitting there at wide receiver that, again, if you were to move back to, like, say, 12 – one of those two quite easily could be there. Obviously, Rashawn Slate is a fantastic tackle as well. You, he would also be there at 12, you would assume. So there are some fantastic players there. You add Pitts to the mix. I don't think Pitts will probably make it as far as 12, but you're certainly going to get a quality player there and an absolute haul of like you know picks either next year or this year. Mm. So is the drop-off big enough? from five to 12 or five, even to maybe eight, nine, if people are going to come up from there, um, that you wouldn't mind moving back a couple of spots and chancing it. You never know that Jamar Chase or Saul couldn't even be sat there at eight. So I do think that trading back will be of interest to the Bengals. We're, we're not in a position where we need to go all in this year. I don't think anyone believes the Bengals are going to be serious contenders this year. You know, you've got Burrow coming back off an injury. You've got a lot of young players. There's been a lot of upheaval on the roster. If you could secure a first-round pick next year, just for moving back a couple of spots, I think the Bengals would be very, very interested in that. So, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm quite, uh, I'm quite in on team trade back. I have to say, um, if it's right, if it's not too far back, uh, because you, you know, saw another thing that we've been reading actually that. Uh, Fans seem to rate Saul higher than NFL execs. This might be all smoke and mirrors. You know, this is the draft season after yeah. all. Um, but if he does say four to eight and you trade back to about eight or nine, imagine if you did that, you got Saul, you got an extra third or whatever this year, you got an extra first next year and a second the year after. I'm taking it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or even no, more, you know, you look. And at, Carolina will want to get up. Carolina yeah, are at yeah. eight. Denver, I believe, are at nine. They're going to be wanting to get up. And if you've, if it's been quarterbacks the whole way, we know Jacksonville are going to take Trevor Lawrence. We pretty much know the Jets are going to take Zach Wilson. You can almost guarantee that. I don't think San Francisco have traded up for anyone other than a quarterback themselves. So if they go for a quarterback. Then you've still got, I mean, there's so many good quarterbacks this year that really favours the Bengals. You've got Fields that's still there. You've got Trey Lance, Mac Jones, and there's a lot of teams that want quarterbacks. So it's very possible that Atlanta could take a quarterback. So if you're Cincinnati and you're going back to eight, almost certainly if someone's trading into the fifth position to get get a quarterback there, you'll have a choice of one of Pitts, Saul and Chase at eight, mm. plus that first rounder next year, potentially, plus like a third rounder. We're just speculating it could be bigger than that. But you just think if you were to land one of those three guys at eight and get the picks to go with it and you'd be sat there next year and we'd be talking about the two first round picks we had or you could use that first round pick as leverage to move up this year if you wanted to or whatever – that's a very exciting proposition. You imagine walking away from the draft this year, even with the third prize in someone like Kyle Pitts, plus that first and third. I mean, every Bengals fan would be absolutely rock solid with that sort of mm. that sort of draft, you know. So I think if Carolina are on the blower and the first four picks have gone the way we want them to go, all at quarterback, I'd be very excited if I was the Bengals and I'd be listening to phone calls. No, that's fair enough. And, uh, you know, just a message out there to people who are sick and tired of this chat about Saul and Chase already. I'm sorry, but it's something we had to address in this episode. Next week, 
we'll have our British Bengals uh, draft panel. Uh, they'll be going through a load of picks and loads of players not called Penai Saul and uh, Jamar Chase to look out for. Then we'll have uh, Joe Goodbury and we'll also have Dave Lapham and then it'll be the draft. How about that? It's It'll be here. Um, just real quick before I bring Anthony in, Nathan, it, it's also sort of part of the discussion is the positional value. And, you know, when I was growing up, um, I was taught uh, by no one in particular, but I was at least told that, um, you know, you've got to get the trenches sorted out first. That might, I know what people are saying, is such a boomer thing to say and all the rest of it, blah, 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 fuck you. But um, <laughs> I, you know, that seems to make the most sense. I value offensive linemen, you know, they're, they're not up there with the quarterback, but they're certainly, you know, up there with the defensive line. And, you know, in fact, that might be the second most important positional group on the field. Do you know what I mean? However, we all know it's become a, a heck of a passing league. And um, wide receiver, I, I listened to PFF, they rate wide receiver, the, the wide receiver position, as you know over the offensive line now so i guess it's how you perceive positional value and what you think those positions are worth on your team and i have to say the bengals in the past have been terrific at, at, at generally speaking um drafting skill position players but they haven't necessarily been great in in um drafting in the trenches, or at least solidifying the trenches. Yes, you've, we've had Dunlap and Gino, who have been brilliant. Uh, Carl Lawson was a hit uh, most recently. Um, they've invested in DJ Reader, uh, you know. But after Whitworth and Zeitler in 2015, um, you know their their record of drafting offensive linemen hasn't been great. Um, so I do wonder what their what 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 value they place on certain position groups, basically? Yeah, it's a very good point, and I think that if you look at free agency this year, we we had the opportunity to sign Kenny Golladay, and he would have come in and been our number one wide receiver, and he was just on the market as a free agent. He's very expensive, but he would have come in and done that job. If I saw is a generational offensive tackle, everyone's making him out to be. Those guys just don't pop up every year in free agency. You know, and I, I, you look at who is available at wide receiver. You had Golladay, you had Curtis Samuel, Nelson Aguilar, Marvin Jones, Will Fuller, T.Y. Hilton. There's some fantastic wide receivers there. A lot of them have, have been number one receivers in the past and have been very, very productive. Yes, there's offensive tackles. They also go for a fortune. I just personally think that there's more value there. And it's a more specialist position at offensive tackle than the wide receiver position. I think you could comfortably pick up a guy. And that's why I've been a bit frustrated that the Bengals have been so quiet in regard regarding well, they taking still a wide might. Receiver. They still might. Mark, someone There's like no Mark one really good. of note out there, though. Mark is good when he's still out there. He's a good player. Yeah. You know. He would, he would be, I mean, that's sort of, he'd be lucky to be your third sort of guy there, wouldn't he? I think you would have, if the Bengals had gone and got Kelly Golladay or even someone a bit further down the line, like someone potentially like a Marvin Jones or obviously people were talking about um, Josh Reynolds coming over from LA. 
perfect, then you're not really, you don't even really then need someone like a Jamar Chase. You've got three good guys. You've got that sort of person pegged in as your number three. You're going to say to T Higgins, we're counting on you to take a step forward and really be our number one, which I think T Higgins can do. And then you're in a good position. You can take the best player available. It gives you even more ammunition to trade back. But I just think if the Bengals don't take a receiver in round one, they have to take one in round two. And yeah. then if you're taking a guy at, in round two, historically, receivers, T. Higgins obviously bucks this trend, but receivers in round two, three, and later don't tend to produce too well in year one. So, you know, if there was to be an injury to T. Higgins, you all of a sudden probably have one of the slowest wide receiver cores in the NFL with people like Alden Tate and Tyler Boyd who are not going to burn it down the field. They're not going to stretch the field. So I think the Bengals judging by the way they've approached free agency will be more inclined and need a receiver more. But I think that they could have, I think Kenny Golladay would have been a masterstroke of a signing and it, and then you could have easily taken Penaisal and you'd have been in really, really good shape going into the season. Mm. But if you final thing for me, I'm, I'm team trade back. I think you're going to get a very, very good value for where the Bengals are and you could really build this team out for the next five years by getting a fantastic trade from someone like a Carolina, Denver, maybe. I think it would really set the Bengals up well for Joe Burrow's sort of year three, year four, year five with the team. Um, if you were to trade back, pick up some picks, and you'd still get an absolute stud in that top ten. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. And I also agree with uh, Jamie, uh, Twickart Beaster, at Twickart Beaster, who, who coined this phrase... Um, a wide receiver is a want, not a need. That's what I was saying. I think he's got some... I think that's a good argument. Um, however, we do need a receiver because we need... You know, AJ actually got 50 catches last year, more or less, I think. And uh, we need someone who's going to be in that 40 to 50 catch uh, range this year and make some plays, you know. Uh, but we'll see. Anyway, let's bring in um, the legend, shall we? Well, as I mentioned earlier, we spoke to him uh, a few years ago. It was one of the most incredible... Uh, if you're a Bengals fan, you know Anthony Munoz and you know what an incredible player he was, what an incredible guy he was. Obviously, Walter Payton, NFL Man of the Year in 1991. And uh, on the field, you know, nine-time All-Pro and 11-time Pro Bowler and, of course, uh Hall of Fame as well. And he's back on the podcast now. Anthony, welcome back. How are you doing? Good, Paul. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm going good. How are you? More to the point. I'm doing great. I can't complain. Things are going well. Uh, I'm thankful that during this whole last year and a half, the golf courses have been open, so that's <laughs> been good. Been able to get on the golf course, and I'm glad that uh, uh, in our house, I've always had an exercise fitness room, so... Uh, I didn't have to worry about all the workout uh, facilities being closed. I could work out and play golf and spend time with my wife. So that's, things are good. I can't complain. Good. Well, that's that's really uh, good to hear. Now, um, the reason why I wanted you specifically, uh, you know, you're a friend to lots of fans in the UK thanks to your appearance at the Admiralty in uh, 2016. And uh, it was so fantastic to see you mix amongst the fans. So you do have a special place in in uh, UK Bengals fans' hearts over here. But I wanted to get you on because there is an argument raging at the moment within Bengals fan base. And it's, uh, are you Team Saul or are you 
Team Chase, <laughs> and I wanted to get your opinion. First of all, have you seen much of Panay Saul? And if you have, what 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 are your first impressions of of uh, the Oregon tackle? Well, first of all, I have seen a lot of Panay. You know, I'm a, a USC guy, Pac-12 guy now, and I've watched Oregon quite a few times. I've seen Panay very, very impressed with the guy that weighs that much, with that much athleticism and strength. Um, so, needless to say, I'm I'm in the Panay camp. Um, you know what? I know Chase is a, a name that's being mentioned. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, the way I look at it, if your quarterback is not upright and can't see the field downfield, what good is a uh, – is a top-notch wide receiver, so <laughs> I'm I'm one that uh, I know the Bengals, uh, you know, signed Riley Reef. I was excited to see that, but I don't think you can have enough of those guys up front. Uh, so I would I would love to see at the number five pick the Bengals take Panay because I think that would be at least you never know. Again, Paul, you know you yeah. know it's a crapshoot. You never know what's going to happen. But I would think, uh, just like I believe Joe Burrow is a guy that you build your, uh, you know, your, your franchise around for a long time, I think Panay would be one of those guys that uh, you know, could be a, a mainstay of that offensive line for a long time. And anytime you put him with Jonah Williams and a Riley Reef, I think you, you are starting to put a, a pretty good line up front uh, for Joe Burrow. So what do you say to people, Anthony, who say, well, you know, if you miss out on Jamar Chase and wait to the second round or even third round to draft a receiver, um, you know, there's not going to be another Jamar Chase, and it's worth uh, taking that uh, wide receiver pick uh, ahead of... I guess what it comes down to, do you value... And you kind of answered this question. Do you value... I know what you're going to say because you're an offensive lineman yourself, but... um, you know, uh, do you value the position of uh, an offensive tackle more than you do a wide receiver? Well, I, Paul, I think it, it depends on you know how you're sitting with your with your personnel. Mm. I mean, you know, I think if if you were set up front and it was between, you know, if if you didn't have to choose and you had a chance to take a chase, but you knew you were solidified solidified up front with what you needed in order to protect Joe Burrow to. To have the time to hit a you know Chase or a, a T Higgins, I mean T Higgins, I'm amazing, mm. you know. So I think, you know, sure, I I think you build a team with the guys up front, and it was obvious. I know it was a lot of years ago, but Paul Brown, when he started the Cincinnati Bengals, his number one draft pick all time number was an offensive center. Yeah. He started his franchise with an offensive lineman. So that I don't care if you throw the ball for five thousand yards a season. Or if you run for two thousand, you still need those guys up front because you have to be able to run the ball. And I think in order to get Joe Mixon back in the mix, mm. to give you know Joe Burrow help to hit those guys, those what you need a running game. And to have a running game, you need the guys up front. So again, yeah, I'm a former offensive lineman. I love Panay, but I think it depends on your need and it depends on your situation. I would love to to be sitting in a situation where you have you know Panay already here with Jonah and Reef. I said, man, let's let's get Chase. Let's get him. What? Let's get him. However, we can make sure we we land that guy because. We, but I think there's a there's a, a much greater need right now. So um, it's always building. Uh, Paul Brown used to. You would know this better than I did because you, you you kind of played a, around the same time that Paul uh, was around the the, the team, and um, he always preached uh, building from the inside out. 
right? Which means get the trenches sorted and then take care of your skill yep. position later on. Um, do you think the Bengals have got that kind of the wrong way around recently? Well, I, th- I think they've attempted to go the right way, but you look at the picks that we've got, they haven't panned out. I mean, you know, Obwehi and Fisher and, you know, guys, Andre Smith, you know, they were top, I mean, they were top guys. You know, your number one pick, your number two pick, your number one pick. And, but they just didn't work out. So, you know, I think they've attempted to go that way, mm. but it just hasn't panned out and hasn't worked out for them. So hopefully, again, I can understand those that are in the chase camp, um, you know, but I'm in, I'm in the, I've watched him. I've watched him against some really good talent, and the guy has been amazing. So, again, we don't know what that's going to transfer to on Sundays, but uh, I think there's a pretty good idea that uh, this kid is the real deal. Um, what would you do if they drafted uh, Panay at five? Um, what would you do with him? Would you kick him inside to guard? Would you put Jonah inside at guard and start Panay at tackle? What would you because as you say, they've got Riley Reef. They signed Quinton Spain yep. to another one-year deal. They've got Xavier Surfilo. Um, What would you do with Panay in that first year if they were to draft him? I would put Panay next to Jonah on the left side. I would put move Jonah inside the guard, right, and see how that works out. You have Riley, and then you have those other guys you just mentioned. Uh, you have some depth, but uh, I think that combination of Panay and, and Jonah on the left side, I think that might be a, a pretty good combination for. For a while. Okay, so let, let's just wrap this up. You are firmly in Team uh, Saul, which I knew you kind of would be. But um, what do you look at? You know, you say you've watched him quite a lot. And if you were to sit sit down with a with a guy who is absolutely 100% sold on this shiny wide receiver, which is Jamar Chase, and no doubt he's, he's a fabulous player and he will be a fabulous player in the NFL... Um, how are you going to change that person's mind? What what tell us about Penesol's game and how he will make the difference in Cincinnati? Well, I think I would I would gather a lot of video of top-notch quarterbacks in the league running for their life. Right. And I would show them teams that have that that franchise left tackle and how they don't run for their life when they have that left tackle in, in you know in place. And, I, and hopefully that would be enough to convince somebody, okay, we need that guy on the left side so Joe doesn't have to worry about that backside. Mm. And you mentioned... I, I mean, I could I could talk and talk all I want, but until you visually show them, because we used to say the eye in the sky doesn't lie. Right, okay. Because <laughs> I guess the slight knock on Penne is his rawness, his age. He obviously t- He obviously opted out last year. Any concerns about that at all? Or is that is is his young age a plus? Well, I mean, was he twenty or twenty one? I think he's still twenty, you isn't know? he? Approaching twenty one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, back in the day, and I know it was a long time ago. I was twenty one when I got here. Most guys, you know, it was I was seventeen out of high school, twenty one out of college. Um, so if he's close to twenty one, you know what? There's been guys that have come in the league that are, you know, but I think. Might be a good thing. He doesn't have the wear and tear. I mean, you have him raw a little bit. You can teach him. Mm. Frank Pollock, an excellent offensive line coach, great technician. Mm. Uh, I'd feel totally comfortable with a young kid like Panay coming in under the tutelage of Frank Pollock. Frank Pollock not only technically sound, but he's got that attitude that he can 
you know, really give to those young linemen. I think that that would be a plus for a kid like uh, Swoop Panay. So, if all goes to plan, uh, perhaps your plan, uh, you'd have Saul at left tackle, Jonah at left guard, Hopkins uh, when fit at centre, Quinton Spain perhaps at right guard, and then uh, Riley Reef at right tackle. I mean, that sounds like a great line, or certainly, potentially, a, a much better line already. I think that would be a pretty good line. Then you have Suofilla, you know, as a backup. You got a couple guys that you can, you know, play in there. But yeah, I think that would be to start the season, keep them healthy. I wouldn't mind, uh, if I could play quarterback, I wouldn't mind sitting behind those guys. If I was running back, I wouldn't mind running behind those guys. So, uh, yeah, I think. I think that's a good start to the 2021 year. Absolutely. Uh, Anthony, you've done this at very short notice. Um, uh, appreciate all the help as ever. And, and again, it's a privilege to talk to you. And uh, hopefully we can see you back in London one day. Hey, Paul, anytime. I'm glad to do it on short notice. Uh, again, who day in the UK, it's worth it, buddy. Thank you for all your support. And uh, let's bring home a few wins this year. There we go. That was uh, the brilliant Anthony Munoz. Always great to catch up with him. No surprises on on which team he is. And interestingly, he said he'd put Jonah at guard. He'd start Saul, put Jonah inside at guard. Yeah, I mean, it's not always worked. I mean, it depends. I don't know if Jonah will be comfortable doing that. I'm not sure if he's ever played there before. Um, But, I mean, he's drafted as a... Jonah Williams, a top 10 pick to play tackle. Obviously, he missed his first year... Is that worth it for the Bengals to slide him inside to guard? I'm not sure. I, I, it does. He, you know, is that the best use of his skill set? You know. Um, well, we'll soon find uh, out. We will soon find out. Anyway, enough Saul and um, Chase talk. Although, do watch out if you're listening to this before Friday, the second of April. Uh, do watch out for Panay Saul's pro day. Uh, right, let's have some fun, shall we? Uh, teased this earlier but uh, we're going to bring in esteemed journalist uh, Barry Bullshit for his debut on Cincinnati well last year you may remember that on our blog uh, esteemed journalist from fft.com fake football talk Barry Bullshit spoke to us exclusively about Andy Dalton joining the Steelers on April the 1st and I'm delighted to say that Barry joins us now and will be joining us in the lead up to the draft on this podcast. Barry, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Paul. Real nice to join you guys over the pond. <laughs> I appreciate you. Appreciate you having me here today. Well, it's it's great to speak with you, Barry. Well, before we go on, can I just correct you on my name? It's Bulls Hit, not a, uh, you know. Okay. Well, well okay. Uh, I am sorry about that, uh, Barry. It's, it's totally fine, Paul. It's a mistake many people more intelligent than you often make. <laughs> Well, well, okay, fair enough. Uh, Barry, balls hit it is then. Barry, how have you been? I imagine it's a, it's a really busy time for you in the lead up to the draft. I'm just great, Paul. Thanks for asking. You know, it is busy, but I like to keep my nose to the grindstone and my ears to the grapevine. You know, I love the grind and the grind loves me. It's in my blood. The the grind can be a cruel mistress. She's more than a mistress. She's a wife. She's a mother. She's a daughter. She's an errant child. She can make you laugh. She can make you cry. She can bring the kettle to the boil. She really gets. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. I think we I think we better stop there. Uh, Barry, you seem to be getting a bit uh, hot under the collar there. Let's get on to something more sedate before you explode. What nuggets of gossip have you got for us this week? Uh, The rumour mill is starting to go nuts now. It's going like the clappers. 
What have you got for us? Well, Paul, I can exclusively reveal to you that many Bengals fans' number one choice in this in this year's NFL draft, Oregon offensive tackle Panay Sewell, does not want to come to Cincinnati. So it really is a case of so long Sewell for Bengals fans. Well, hold on, he doesn't want to come to Cincinnati. Yes, according to league circles, he does not want to come to Cincinnati. League circles. What are these league circles? <laughs> a good journalist never reveals his sources, Paul. Well, that's that's understandable. But but what about you? Um, well, I'm not sure what you mean by that question. All I know is that Panay Sewell would rather receive a skyline chili enema than be drafted by the Bengals. Go on then. Tell us why. What my league circles say, and and I have noticed this also, that Panay once raised his left eyebrow by 3.3 millimeters during a press conference when a reporter asked him a question about Cincinnati, which signifies to me he does not want to go to the Queen City. Right. And not just that, my circular sources tell me that Panay hates tigers in general and thinks that cats are overrated as pets, even their stripes are terrible and he also told me personally in the language of his birthplace that he hates cincinnati and would rather be traded than play for mike brown really barry he said that you spoke to him on the telephone in his native language what what language did he speak samoan of course really you spoke to panay saw in samoan uh yes so he said to you, I hate Cincinnati and I don't want to play for Mike Brown in Samoan. Yes. Really? That's what he said. How did he say it? I hate Cincinnati and I don't want to play for Mike Brown. In Samoan. Oh, um, Cincinnati ma don't want to want to Micah Brown. Presumably you mean... Well, yes, of course. No, you don't, Barry, because means I want to go to the toilet immediately in Samoan. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Did you speak to Pene Saul on the telephone? No. Did any of your league circles talk to Pene Saul on the telephone? No. And does he really not want to come to Cincinnati? I don't don't know. Barry Bullshit, thank you. We'll speak to you next week. Well, there we go. There's Barry Bullshit. Sorry, Barry Bulls hit uh, making his debut on Cincinnati. Um, Did you line him up to replace me, son? Is that where this is going? It might be. It might be. If 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 I think some team chasers might... uh, Now you've... uh, revealed your allegiance to Team Saul might want you out after this, uh, Nathan. So <laughs> I'll give Barry Ball's hit a call. Um, shall we get to our correspondence? Go on, let's do it. Right, okie dokie. Um, right, who day state of mind at Bengals Nation 8. All this chase and Saul talk. Are we mad if they forego selecting those two and take Kyle Pitts or Rashawn Slater? Depends where you are, I think, in that first round. I think Slater's, I don't know, around 10, 12. Pitts, you would feel comfortable selecting in the top 10. Um, I mean, again, two great players, really, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think 
this is what I mean about the trade back. If both of them are there and you go away from them, it just feels like, I don't know, not the best use of um, the best use of resource. But I, I wouldn't be if they managed to get Kyle Pitts. I'd I'd be really excited by that. I think that would be like t- tight ends even rarer than receivers in terms of like getting a, an absolute stud. And I think that Pitts will come in. It'd be your number one. CJ and Drew Sample would be fantastic two and three. And it, I just don't know whether the Bengals, the offense that they run, they don't tend to rely too much on the receiving tight end. And that's why I just don't think that it's probably going to be a fit there for the Bengals. Well, the, but the, the argument there. is, of course, that Kyle Pitts is no ordinary tight end. You can line him yeah. up all over the place, you know, in the slot, True. out wide. Yeah. Not yeah. so much in line. hybrid. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Jamie at Trequart Beaster. Best case scenario is trading down a couple of places for an extra pick or two later and still getting one of Chase, Saul or Pitts. In terms of the questions, are there any free agents remaining that you want us to have a little tickle at? Um, I'll say Marquis Goodwin. I think he might be a good signing. But I don't think they're going to sign too many people until roster cuts in June. I think you know it's all full steam ahead for the draft for this team now, I think. Yeah, I mean, Goodwin's obviously got the speed element, which the Bengals are missing a bit. But I'm not, I'm not convinced he'd be the best signing. And there's still a couple of pass rushes out there. I think Melvin Ingram's still out there. Mm. If I'm right in saying that, he'd, he'd be a very good option to come in. Obviously, Ryan Kerrigan as well. I know he's been rumoured to the Bengals again. He'd be a good piece to come in. So, I think the Bengals might have one more move up their sleeve um, for a player that might have some sort of value. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I would love them to get a receiver that would just be a competent number three. Because I mean, all some people will be saying, "Well, we've got Alden Tate for that," but I no, he's I not just, number three. I don't think no. No, exactly, and I just I'd like them to have someone up their sleeves that if they don't get Chase or Chase is gone or whatever else that you're not sort of put into a corner a bit. So, but I mean, Goodwin, like you said, it probably is the best guy out there at wide receiver that we could realistically go and get, and he's not. He certainly, for me, doesn't you know, light it up too much. Um, I like him. I do like him. But anyway, uh, Wayne Ellis at Rankles75. Solid handle. Could trade down to number eight and probably still get one of Chase, Saul or Slater. Peter Dadswell at Dadder's gone back and forth on this Saul versus Chase debate. I've had to decide once and for all where I stand. Enough is enough. No more flip-flopping or indecision. My official position is... I hope one of Chase or Saul has gone before number five so the Bengals don't have to make that choice. Uh, nicely done, Pete. Um, Duncan Yeadon at Slam Dunk the Funk. Solid handle. Doesn't matter in my eyes which one of the two we get. It improves us massively. What round are we selecting a kicker? Uh, he's absolutely right, of course. Um, but I think people are just having fun going back and forth on this, aren't they? Um, a kicker? Yeah, I could see it in round seven. Could you? Yeah, I think they've got a, that round seven pick, I think, is pretty much nailed on for a kicker to get someone in. Max Wiedenborner at Maxman248. I'm leaning Chase and going aggressively at the next best OT prospect. Any thoughts on who... That could be in the second or third. Well, I would I would watch out for Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, if they trade back to, you know, 
not the back end of the first round, but sort of middle to, you know, around that sort of 15, 16, 17, 18 mark. Frank Pollack worked out Elijah Vera Tucker and he's by consensus the best guard in the draft and some mock uh, draft sites have listed him at tackle so he's got some position versatility there um I like him and I think uh, that's one that's one name to watch but offensive tackles you've got um Christian Darisaw you've got Tevin Jenkins Liam Eichenberg Jalen Mayfield Dylan Radance uh, you've got Alex Leatherwood, who Paul Dana Jr. picked in his seven-round mock draft in round two earlier on this week. Um, James Hudson, Wyatt, Wyatt Davis, but that you know, that's, yeah, that's a guard. You know, there's plenty of people there. It's just whether there's that drop-off, which there will be a drop. Of course, there will be, and there might be sort of five tackles taken in that five, six, even in that first round. Who knows? But of course, the the benefit of that is it pushes pass rushers and defensive tackles down uh, to us in round two. So it's kind of swings and roundabouts, isn't it, really? But yeah, you, I think we do need to pick an offensive lineman in the first two rounds. Um, that has to happen, I think. Yeah, I think for me it makes more sense. Like, I mean, this is why I think the Bengals will sort of like position themselves to be better taking a wide receiver because if you look at the offensive tackles in the second round there's like you said there's a, an absolute abundance of guys that'll be there and where we're picking in round two and that makes more sense that you can start jonah williams at tackle in his rightful position and then if you go and get someone like you know someone like a tevin jenkins falls down to us or Jalen mayfield or someone like that as you mentioned perfect great they can sit there be first off the bench if anything happens to either of our tackles have a bit of a red shirt year and then be right there because Riley Ref's only on a one-year deal. So this, whoever is drafted in round two, if he's got the talent and he plays a few snaps here and there and he's obviously um, learns the system, etc., he'll be perfectly ready to step in and you, then you've got him and Jonah as your sort of long-term offensive tackles. So whereas if you draft Panay Saul, you've got to play him. You know, you don't spend yeah. a top five pick on an offensive tackle for him to sit on the bench for a year. It'd be a waste of that money and a waste of the contract. So I think that makes more sense in that aspect that you get chasing. You know, we need a wide receiver now. You need someone at number three. He's going to be on the field a lot. Like you said, you've got to at the very least make up those catches we were missing from AJ Green. And frankly, you want to improve what we got from AJ Green last year, which was really not a lot. So I think where the Bengals are now, receiver probably... Um, would make more sense. But then you've got to look past where we are, I guess, this year. You've got to think that for the long term, which player is going to give us more value over a potentially a decade than just what will help us in 2021. Chris Winchurch at Chris Winchurch. Go for neither. If a team is there wanting a QB, do a trade. Get another wide receiver like Devonta. Go for I-line in the second and third. Or even better, try and get O-line in free agency. Uh, Bianco Verde at Bianco Verde away from the Sul. Solid handle. Away from the Sul chase debate. I really hope we re sign Josh Bynes. Guy is such a great leader, still a good linebacker, and the room definitely needs a veteran presence still. Hope they can get it done. Uh, Bianco Verde, we've, we've just re signed Jordan Evans. What more do you want? Sorry, that's a terrible Welsh accent, wasn't it? Um, Ken Davis, Chase simply because the fall-off in the second round for wide receiver is much greater than the fall-off in offensive tackle, which is very deep. 
I could see us getting great OL talent in rounds two or three. Chase and two top tackles is the best value for me. See, you could switch that argument around, couldn't, can't you? Well, that's that's what I was going to say, because you've got a, quite a few guys here that could be available at the top of the second round. You've got Rashad Bateman from Minnesota, Kadarius Tony from Florida, um, Burroughs' old colleague, Terrace Marshall Jr. Um, Tylen Wallace, Rondell I'm a fan Moore, of. Elijah Moore, yeah, there's, there's a whole load of people that, you know, could be there. There are also a lot of players there that have got a lot of speed. Kadarius Tony's a pump returner as well, so he, he could be slotted in to do that. So there's a couple of guys that you could easily get yeah. at the top of that round too um, if you did go down the Saul route. So I don't think it's... Um, and there'll be guys that are there as well. Like well, Out of all of those guys we've just mentioned, Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, Terrace Marshall, Kadarius Tony, and Rashad Bateman, at least one, probably two of those guys are going to be there at the top of the second round. And they're both, they're all good players. You know, they've all got a lot of potential. So, mm. yeah, it's not a done deal. Odat at DZE, if it's a split 50-50 in the chase versus Sewell debate, then the tiebreaker for me is who's going to add more points on offense. So the pick is Chase. Season-ending quarterback injuries are freakish. However, if they go wide receiver at five, getting high-caliber potential O-line in round two becomes even more crucial. Paris Pinney at Paris Pinney. I just feel like the O-line prospects in round two are better than the wide receivers that will be available. I'll be happy with Chase or Saul at five, but after that pro day performance, I'm fully behind Chase at five and O-line in rounds two and three. Can I can I just say one thing, son, just to sort of weigh in even further on this Chase versus Saul um, phenomenon debate here? From a marketing perspective, if you're the Bengals, Jamar Chase is such a sexy pick, it's untrue. You've got the Joe Burrow connection. <laughs> You've got him and T. Higgins as these two young, fun, dynamic, fantastic wide receivers. You'd have probably, if Chase is as he's billed, you'd have a. If you looked at the three wide receivers, I'd struggle to think of a deeper crop of receivers than the three that we'd have. I just think that it would be such a sexy proposition to get bums on seats in Paul Brown Stadium. Yeah, but it's the shiny option. You've got to think about what's going to win us games rather well, than the marketing. You're completely right. You're completely right. But I think for fans, and I mean, look at the fact, if you were to poll the fans now, they'd definitely lean towards Jamar Chase. I don't think there's yeah. any doubt about that. And I just think that in terms of it being an explosive offence, getting bums on the seats, getting the fans back on side after a few rough years... Jamar Chase is going to do that as a top five wide receiver, history with Burrow, all the rest of it. I just think that the Bengals will be thinking to themselves, we've got to start an offensive tackles. They, there's no reason they shouldn't be healthy between Jonah and Riley. So let's get a, a bit of a toy for Joe Burrow. These two guys, Burrow and Chase, could be our, you know, Andy Dalton, AJ Green, Carson Palmer, Chad Ochocinco for the next 10 years. But weren't we People saying that about T. Higgins last year, though? Yeah, yeah, I've been T. Yeah, you know, you're right. But then, yeah, anyway, yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. Tom McDowell. Look, we are doing T down a bit, aren't we? We are, yeah. Stuff we like, but yeah. Tom McDowell at Wagat Dub DD. Yesterday was Saul. Today I'm having a chase day. Tomorrow will probably be Saul again. I think that's the way everyone, most people are. Uh, Sam Anger at Sam underscore Anger. This is the second draft in a row where us as fans get to appreciate that we're going to get potential generational talent, and picking at five with this potential scenario. 
doesn't come round every year. If we peak at either Chase, Sewell or Pitts, I'll be more than happy. Dan Southall at Wolf in Derby. Either Chase or Saul. Solid handle. Uh, either Chase or Saul, I am delighted. Pitts, I would be happy with. But I've come down firmly on the side of Team Chase after his pro day. And TJ, um, TJ, who's shiny shoes? At TJ's shiny shoes, I'm Team Chase. Won't be disappointed with Saul or Pitts for that matter, but easier to add a starting lineman in round two in a deep O line draft. Then find a wide receiver one, and Chase will mean better matchups for T and TB. I'd look to double dip O line day two. Uh, Killian Malloy at Killian uh, underscore double zero. I'm on the fence, but I think I'm leaning towards Saul. Dom at Bumbling Bengal. Uh, hope you're all doing all right, guys. Do you think that Riley Reef is this year's Josh Bynes, i.e., the Bengals, i.e., are the Bengals planning to draft several O linemen to be trained up with Reef's help? Similar to how buyers help with a young linebackers. Cheer, guys. Great point, um, Dom. And I think that that uh, may be the case, really. Um, you'd hope so, at least, anyway. Thanks to everyone's correspondence. We are, of course, at today underscore UK. Keep the correspondence coming. It's exciting. It's fun. It really is a fun time of year to debate uh, with everyone who your favourite picks are and which, which route the team might go. But... Nathan, are you ready for this? Because it is draft season, officially draft season. Uh, I thought I'd give you the chance to win back that case of Manabria and uh, play the draft name game. Are you ready for this? I am always ready to win a uh, case of Manabria. So no, 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 you win back, so we're even. I don't owe you anything after this. I am 1-0. <laughs> this is a chance to equalise, basically. <laughs> I don't know if I even want that, because at least if I give you the case of Manabria, we can share it. If, now, if no one's oh, any really? Okay, that's, that was your tactic, was it? <laughs> uh, I've got 12 names for you. You've got to get at least eight right to... Um, cool. Uh, is that too tough? I don't know. I can tell you want to keep the men of Braves to yourself. I know. Like I know. I've, dra I've, I've drank them already, <laughs> mate. Um, I tell you what, you've got to get at least seven right, okay? That's a little all right, bit more. All right. Okay. All right. Name number one Divine Diablo. Yeah, he's a real person. I'm sure I've seen him. 1 0 to Nathan. There we go. What a name. Divine Diablo. I know. Safety from Virginia Tech. Uh, Bobby Fatquok. There's no way he's real sure. Spell, spell F-A-T-Q-O-K, Bobby Fatcock. Um, what's your answer to that one? No, there's no way. 2-0 to Palmer. I can't believe yes. it. Deflant Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a tough one, that is. I'm saying he's real. No, uh, he, that's a made-up name. Mac McCain the third. <laughs> Mac McCain. Yeah. I reckon you made it up. No, he's a real player. <sighs> he's a cornerback from North Carolina. Next oh, name. Oh, it's too old. Uh, DiCaprio Bootle. <laughs> I'm saying he's real. He is real. He's a cornerback, is DiCaprio from Nebraska. Uh, what outrageous, though. Wop Fillior. Yeah, he's a, he's a wide receiver, isn't he, the geezer? He is, yes, he is indeed. Uh, Skeetle Orange. 
<laughs> that is no way, son. No, that's made up. PP Pope. Made up. No way. It is. Uh, you've scored five, so you're on the way. Boris Johnson. <laughs> there's so many Johnsons isn't there so there's a chance but Boris is not really I'm, I'm saying no you're correct only one more to get Racy McMath the wide receiver from LSU absolutely what oh, a name that it is Chaz Bracco fake it is you're having a stormer on this one and Josh Imator Baby real it is the wide receiver from Illinois. So you score. I've you sharpened up my draft knowledge. You this have. Year a bit. You have. I think you scored eight or nine there. I lost count after you won. So you take back uh, the Manabria, and that's it. So well done the, to the, you. The Manabria trophies in my cabinet for the time being. It's like the Ashes. Uh, there's a chance to win it back. <laughs> you keep it for four years, and there's a chance to win it back. We should also have another game of Diddy Darius pretty soon because he's been absolutely yeah, tipping out the uh, cryptic tweets, hasn't he? Um, listen, guys, that's about it from us now. We'll get off and let you get on with your day. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, take care of yourselves. I know lockdown is easing, but still, you know, take it easy out there. And um, we will be back next week with our British Bengals. Draft panel that always goes down a treat. Looking forward to hearing what the guys saying, and that they'll dive a bit deeper into some of the um, prospects in rounds uh, two, three, four, five, and even the back end of the draft. And then, of course, as I mentioned earlier, we've got Joe Goodbury coming up, and also Dave Lapham. So stay tuned. Uh, but until next week. <laughs> And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.